What's up, guys? Welcome to a Roaring Podcast from Roaring.io, where we talk to some of the best in tech and product management. My name is Jesper Kask, and I'm your host. In this episode, we're joined by Martin Rover Parks, VP of Product Management and Scribe. Martin describes how physical journeys have moved into digital and lays out a framework for creation of digital journeys. We also go into the five whys to ask yourself when trying to understand your customer. Enjoy. Okay, so welcome, Martin. Uh, it's great to have you here. Fantastic to be here. Thank you so much. Welcome from the crazy little island that's the United Kingdom. <laughs> Thank you. And, and I'm really excited about this interview. We have some, some awesome topics lined up. But just to kick us off, you're currently the VP of Product Management at Scribe. Uh, what's the story behind the company? Yeah. Um, so in terms of the story, uh, my own story has only been 10 months, 11 months or so at the company. Uh, but if we go way back before that, Scribe's been around about 10 years or so. Uh, and it was born out of the desire to improve the, the signing experience, the entering and facilitating of sort of relationships and therefore contracts. Uh, and over the last decade or so, as the world has gone, on this digital transformation uh, from from paper to to online, uh, Scribe's been a part of that, focusing on the signing experience and then also the authentication experience. So that's through digital uh, IDs. So, so what I wanted to ask you, Martin, about is is you you're sort of passionate about these digital journeys. Mm. How, how do you define a digital journey? What is a digital journey for those who are listening? So I think if we take a step back and we reflect on the journeys that we take uh, every day, I'm not talking about the sort of commute that you go on or the physical journey, but uh, going into a shop and buying something or going online uh, to, to Amazon and purchasing something. When I talk about digital journeys specifically, I'm looking at what is done offline at the moment that could be done more effectively online. And that leads us into all sorts of areas around, can I purchase a phone from the comfort of my home and have that delivered? So the digital journey there is I'm on the sofa, I can log on, I can choose my mobile phone, I can have the credit check done on me from the comfort of my living room, I can then sign the contract, I can enter uh, into the terms and conditions, I may have been verified that it's really me. So the non-digital version of that is going into the town centre. It's cold, it's wet, it's raining. You can't get a parking space. Then you find a parking space. Then you pay for the parking and then you walk to the shop. And then there's a queue at the shop. And that is a pretty rubbish experience and journey. And if we make that digital, we're enhancing that. And that's very much what I look at when when I'm talking about digital journeys. Um, and there's so many more examples that we can look at. Before, when you used to order a taxi, the non-digital journey of that was I'd ring someone up, I'd wait in a queue maybe for the taxi operator to pick up. Then they would say, OK, where should we pick you up? Oh, OK, hang on. Let me have a look at the map quickly. I know where I am or I don't. I'm at a friend's place or I'm at a different location. Then you've suddenly got to look around and ask, does anyone know the postcode of this address? The digital journey of that is I go onto my iPhone, I open Uber, I'm sure other apps are available, 
it knows my location and all I need to do is put in where I want to go. And that's very much attractive to me as a product person, actually. As a product person, you want to solve the outcome. You want to solve the problem and the pain point that the user or the customer is experiencing. Uh, and in this context, it's about those journeys that they're taking. And you mentioned the, the pain points and, and problems and challenges of, of customers. Uh, is that where you start when you want to make something digital? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I will be unashamedly biased towards this topic because it really is a cornerstone of, of product management and of customer centricity. So when you're looking at what do I want to solve? I want to create a digital journey. We actually need to look at it from the different perspective, which is what is my customer or user or market feeling today and doing today that they're not happy with, that they would like to do better in the future? And some of those you will know, others you won't know. They're the gold gems. If you can discover uh, a pain point that the customer doesn't even realize they're experiencing, like going into the town center. That was just a given. That's what I thought I had to do to buy a mobile phone. But actually, there is a much better way of doing that. When you understand the problems, when you understand the pain points, when you have really intimate customer and user knowledge, you can then create the Lego blocks or the building blocks for that digital journey. And I don't want to be waving the scribe flag the whole time but that's sort of the strategic direction that scribe's going in is providing those lego blocks to connect up that journey uh, whether that's signing or authentication or some of the hundreds of data sources that are available that can improve the customer experience like uh, kyc so know your customer or credit checks etc mm. and how do you sort of collect and gather those customer insights what's your best tips for those who are listening oh, so those that are listening how do you gather it that's customer feedback and customer insight um, and market insight we do that at scribe in a couple of ways or more than that actually the first is through uh, discovery sessions so that's speaking with customers particularly for us large enterprises maybe in the banking and finance world or the telco world and understanding what are you trying to achieve? What would success look like for your customers and for your market? And we do that through these discovery sessions where a product manager, product designers, they sit with the customers, they sit with the end users ideally and talk to them and really almost become a partner and feeling the same pain that they're having. Another way that you can do that is literally sat behind a mirrored wall that's you can't see in but you can see out and you can watch and observe users and an example of that was actually my time at royal mail and um, we were designing i was attracted to royal mail even though i thought i don't want to be a postman and it kind of feels a bit odd because this is a 500 year old business what on earth am i doing at the start of my career in a 500 year old business that was set up by one of the English kings 100 years ago or 500 years ago. But anyway, taking that to the modern day, it was about them sending international letters and packages. And how did we understand their pain points and what they needed to do? Well, we created software to be able to go online and choose the destination and then choose the size of the package 
uh, and how much it would cost paid for it. And you would print out a sticker. Going back to my earlier point, that means that you didn't have to go to the post office, buy the sticker, come back home. You could print it off and sellotape it onto the package. And that was us understanding those journeys that the customers were taking at Royal Mail. But to understand in more detail, we literally sat behind this mirrored wall and watched them interacting with the software. And just for I can tell you that even after a few beers, it was so frustrating when you think you've understood how to use it that the customer is hovering all over the screen and you're like, it's just there. It's the big red button. Why can you not just click on that? That's the next step that you need to take. And you can do that through actually watching users. But there are also other effective ways such as Pendo, which is product data or Heap or Gainsight, any of those providers. Uh, so you can see where people are going within your software. And that's one tiny cog as part of that whole journey that you're building. And that's the bit that we're obsessed about in product. Uh, and uh, I think every product team is. Mm. Uh, and so if you sort of paint the, the, the picture of, or a framework of, of how to create and, and work with these sort of digital journeys, you've gathered the insights uh, qualitatively and, and quantitatively. Uh, and now you want to to sort of go go forward and go to the next step. Yeah. Uh, what do you go from there? So from there, you've gathered it. You may put it into a prototype. You may use software like mockups or Figma or uh, Miro as well. Uh, and then you you get the customers to click through the latest version that you've created, the latest prototype or the design. Um, now the important thing is, as you go into that framework of discovery create the prototype and then after the prototype get it validated and then it goes into the product backlog uh, sorry the sprint backlog which is what the engineering and the development team are working on it's really important that within that framework you have consistent feedback loops so we've got the first feedback loop from the user and the customer then we've got another feedback loop from the prototype the third feedback loop is from the engineers. It then may go back to the users for another uh, feedback loop based on what the engineers have suggested. And the, and the whole journey that you go right through to when you release and then iterate on that version, you want to have those feedback loops in there. So I'd summarize it as do the discovery, understand the pain points, understand what success looks like, Understand what the customer wants to achieve and how you could do how you could do it better digitally rather than physically. So that's the, that going into the town and picking up the post or or uh, whatever. And then the third element is uh, creating that as prototypes and then mocking that up. Fourth, iterate on it, and then fifth, you can release it, but you're always going to go through further iterations. Hmm. And where do companies sort of normally fail when trying to create a digital journey, in your opinion? So companies fail uh, because they don't understand the problem. That's the first part. And you can solve that by going into the five whys. And the five whys is the example I'm going to give is, are you thirsty? Yes. Cool. Just for once, a Coca-Cola sorted, solve it. I've made the Coca-Cola. I've produced it. I've shipped it. Hmm. 
He's not buying it. That doesn't make sense. But he's thirsty. This just doesn't make sense. Okay. Um, just for why, why are you thirsty? Well, I've been doing sport. Okay, maybe Coca-Cola isn't quite right for him if he's doing sport. My third why. Well, why are you doing sport? I'm trying to lose weight. Right. Okay. Coca-Cola is definitely the wrong thing because he's sporty and he's trying to lose weight. So really, we need a sports drink and we need it to be zero sugar. And we probably need it to have a sports cap on the bottle and not a twist bottle like the traditional Coca-Colas have got. And then the fourth, uh, fifth why I'm going to go into even more detail on your problem. And that is you want to get you're sporty, you want to lose weight and you actually want to do long distance marathons. So I've gone from thinking that I understood the problem, he's thirsty, Coca-Cola, to he's thirsty and he wants to do marathons, he wants to get fit, he wants to lose weight. So he's still thirsty, but we're going to offer a sports drink with all of the right amino acids and all of that good stuff in there that can keep your performance going. And it's low calorie because it's going to help you with your goals. And that is absolutely critical. Like I say to my teams, if you've got 100 hours, spend 99 hours understanding the problem and one hour actually fixing it. And then the second part of that is where, where in my view, companies fail, is they try to do everything at once and they want to launch it all in one go. And then when it doesn't work, you don't know where to begin on that journey and where to fix it. And that's where those feedback loops that I spoke about earlier, they come in in that digital journey and that digital transformation. So if I take it to our market, signing, verification and data, if suddenly you said to a bank or a telco or a car or an automotive financing company, you want to be able to buy a car online or you want to be able to buy a car from a dealership, but you want it to be even quicker where would you begin? It would be overwhelming. Do we have an online showroom? Do we have a contract on an iPad? Where do we get the data from? And that goes back to that first point, understanding where the problem is. And the the bit that really excites me at Scribe is we have two products, signing and verification. We also have integrations. But what we want to do with that is those are the Lego blocks that drop into the journey. And where else can we connect those data sources and just do it bit by bit along the way until you've completed that whole journey? Yeah, so sort of an agile approach to everything and yeah, iterate, iterate, iterate yeah. until you die. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but do you have any other examples that where you've seen sort of the uh, results of, of going from a physical to a digital where it's had a great effect? And it doesn't have to be as large as, you know, uh, snail mail to Kivra, but it could be like sort of a, a step in between or a smaller product. So a smaller product where I've seen us go from, well, I come from uh, from both the physical products and the digital products background. Uh, and one of those where I've seen, uh, seen it go digital are train tickets. So the idea that you used to have to arrive at the station earlier to then buy the ticket in a queue and then hope that you don't lose the ticket in your pocket uh, and then get on the train. And at the end of the journey, someone's going to ask for it. And you're like, where is it in your pocket? That entire experience has gone digital where I can 
search the timetable ahead of my journey. And why is that so important? Well, that's so important because not only does it solve the customer's pain point, which is I want to search for the train comfortably, the right one, and fit it within my plans. But it also gives the train operator a chance to put messages and promotions to try to encourage people to take trains off peak. And why is that? Because there's only so many trains that you can run at nine o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock in the morning. So if you can encourage some people to take trains later, you're still providing the service and you're benefiting the business and the customer. The customer gets a cheaper ticket. The business hasn't got the train operator isn't uh, in the newspaper for being such a busy train that you're like sardines packed in there. Um, and so that's a brilliant example of that digital transformation. And you've got search for it online, pay for it, keep it in your Apple wallet or your Google wallet. Uh, it's available at any point. If you need to submit the receipt for expenses, you could do that digitally as well. Um, and that's the bit that really excites me from sort of a product management digital journey perspective is where can we help our customers customers to be more successful? And in terms of, of uh, B2B companies, um, it seems like a lot of them are, are still sort of trailing on these, oh, gosh, uh, yes. creating these uh, intuitive experiences, especially for customers, uh, but internally as well. Uh, why do you think that is? I think the issue with B2B is for a long time, it was acceptable to have a subpar experience. Oh, that's a piece of business software or that's a business to business relationship. My expectations aren't as high as if it's a B2C experience. But the expectations have dramatically increased over the last 10, 15, 20 years. Um, really, I think, in my view, since the dawning of the age of the internet uh, and the beginning of the digital revolution there. Uh, I hate quoting it because it's such a cliche, but obviously with Apple and the Apple experience, uh, that set the benchmark for the digital experience very early on. Um, there was an obsession with the details. There was an obsession with making the experience that you're physically holding and you're digitally experiencing as good as each other. And most B2Bs are struggling with these digital journeys because the experience in the B2C world is so great. How do they bring that internally? And how do you connect that to bottom line and revenue and growth? Um, and at the end of the day, for me, if you are building an exceptional experience, then the revenue will follow. And when I say exceptional experience, I actually mean you're solving those problems. You're solving those pain points. Uh, if I take um, the banking world and, and, and the world of finance, uh, they are trying to improve the experience towards their customers. That's B2C. But by solving B2C, they're also trying to solve B2B. So how do they share that data between other banks, between other agencies, between other uh, departments within those massive enterprises? And that's where you see one digital journey connect up to another and another and another. And, and we've seen the challenger banks, the fintechs, the monzos, the revoluts of the world. They 
transformed the experience from these massive old institutions in the banking world. But even they themselves are now going through a digital transformation as well. They're realizing, oh, the experience that we offered 10 years ago is still not good. It's not good enough today anymore. And so we need to solve that. Our customers' expectations have gone higher. And so going back to B2B, yes, you have B2B, but the consumers, the purchasers, the decision makers, they're the likes of me, you, of anyone listening to this podcast today. When we buy software from another business or we engage with software from another business, our experience, our expectation is the same as when we've gone from a B2C, an Instagram, an Amazon, a PayPal, right through to something like your uh, self-service for annual leave or managing your payroll or or any of those B2B experiences. Did I answer that or did that get confusing? No, uh, I mean, obviously expectations have been shifting since B2C experiences have been evolving uh, and transferring into B2B. Uh, like you say, it's just people like you and me used to shopping in, in Amazon. Uh, and, and we expect the same in, in B2B settings, obviously. Um, what I wanted to ask you, is there any project or or specific case that you've worked on that you feel extra proud uh, proud of uh, from my product management background yeah <laughs> preferably <laughs> okay okay that is that is interesting i've got a i've got a couple so this is um let's see i'll, I'll give this example it's not a digital one it's a physical product so i don't know we might cut it but we can see um, <laughs> But uh, my very first job as a product manager, I was responsible for a very expensive product. It was a wood plastic decking system. I know that sounds boring as hell, doesn't it? A wood plastic decking system. <laughs> but bear I didn't with... want to say it. Yeah, exactly. No, I can hear, I can feel it. Everyone listening out there, they're like, for real, I'm going to tune out now. Don't tune out. I promise you it's worth it. And if it's not, you can send me an email or you can send send the team here an email and say, never have Martin on the show again. But it's a wood plastic decking system. And it was super, super expensive. Um, I mean, you're talking five, ten thousand euros for a deck in your garden when normally you might spend two or three thousand euros. But the thing with this with this decking system was it was wood plastic, so it didn't rot. The color stayed forever. It was non-slip. You didn't need to treat it. It was the king, the queen, the pinnacle of decking systems, but it was too expensive. And I'm kind of proud because of the success and the failure at the same time. So let's talk about the success briefly because everyone wants to know about the failure because that's always more interesting. The success with this is we actually discovered a good market fit was with uh, a premium premium jacuzzi hot tub seller. Because if you're spending 20,000 on a hot tub, you do not want your bare feet getting splinters on a decking system and you don't want to slip. And so suddenly a 5,000 euro decking system that never needs treating, that can take the hot tub, is a sensible add-on and it enhances the entire value. Now, interestingly, digitally, we create we could create journeys there and and mock-ups of what it could look like in your garden and or in your on your patio, etc. But for me, that was a really good success of looking left at right at the customer pain points and 
it wasn't until speaking to uh, the jacuzzi seller that they said, well, yeah, the customers hate it when you've got cold feet and wooden splinters. And it's like, well, our decking system does not splinter. Mr. and Mrs. Smith are going to be delighted. So that was the success. The failure was when I had ordered some samples for that decking to go to all of the sales offices and to our customers. And regrettably, I didn't pay close enough attention to the amount of zeros. And so I was sat in the office of this building overlooking a car park in wonderful leafy Herefordshire in the United Kingdom. And a giant delivery lorry, one of those HGVs, starts reversing up into the car park. And I get a call from the estates manager, Martin, what the hell is going on? I'm like, I don't know why there's a HGV in the car park. It's unloading decking. I'm like, oh, I ordered some samples. No, we have an entire HGV of decking that is being delivered, that is in the car park, and that needs to be gone before the CEO turns up tomorrow with the chairman of the board. I'm like, consider it done. <laughs> so for years and years, you would open cupboards everywhere in the office and find these samples <laughs> of decking everywhere. Um, so my my learning was like, pay attention to the details. Um, so yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. And and. In terms of the future, um, what do you think digital journeys are heading and where do you think they're heading and, and how do you think they will evolve? That's a great, that is a really great question. Um, and I'm going to take a step back again and briefly go through uh, where some journeys began. So if we go back three, four hundred years or maybe longer, maybe a little bit less, maybe around the time of Royal Mail and the founding of the Postal Service, <laughs> if I wanted to sell a goat, all I had to do is spit in my hand, shake with my neighbour, and I've sold the goat and it's done. And I knew my neighbour, I could see him or her next door and that's fine. Fast forward and I was selling more than one goat. I was selling maybe 100 goats to uh, someone that I knew but who wasn't my neighbour in the next village along. So then I decided to write a contract out and, I, and it was it was written, unfortunately, on animal skin. I don't think vegan options were available at the time there, but it was written on animal skin. And that was the forming of a, of a journey there, of a contract. Fast forward again, and we're now selling things a lot more expensive than goats. Uh, we're selling software, we're selling cars, we're selling homes. And... We needed to speed up the process because you weren't just buying from your neighbor or from someone in the same country. You could be buying it from someone in a different country altogether. And so that's where paper then went to PDF. And that's called digitization, not digitalization. And for me, and I can say this because I head up product management and I guess I can be a bit controversial when you look about the future. Uh, the only time we're going to use paper are for love letters in the future. That's the, that's the only time I could imagine you would put pen to paper or maybe writing a card to your grandma. But when it comes to contracts, when it comes to business, digitization is not enough because I've still got to fill in all of those boxes on the contract and I've got to put a box over it and that's just not an acceptable experience in my view. So digitalization is about saying, 
Martin wants to buy a car. Martin's going to put his national insurance number in and it's going to do a credit check from Experian, for example. Then it's going to do a criminal records check from the Criminal Records Bureau that he's not a convicted felon or he's on the run. And that has all been achieved by me just putting in my national insurance number or my bank ID or my passport. And then the next bit that it will take me to is reviewing what I've what I'm buying and I press sign. So put another way, the Amazon one-click payment, but of the digital journey world. And Amazon have actually done it really well there. Now, when we talk about journeys, and I'll try not to go too far off on a tangent, but you've got the purchase journey, which is Amazon, one-click, I've got it delivered. You've then got the B2B journey between Amazon and the supplier who needs to fulfill that. So if you've got a brilliant B2C journey of purchasing something with one click, you then need to have a brilliant digital journey between Amazon and the provider. And then you need to have a really good journey between the provider and the customer success if the delivery is late. And so for me, that's where I see those future, the future of those journeys going. That's awesome. Thinking about it, actually, that's a, um that's probably a really strong example because you've got b to you've got b to c amazon and the customer b to b amazon and the provider and if the business is only focused on the b to c bit then the customer's going to have a crap experience because you've not solved the bit of the b to b either um so yeah that feels like kind of really relevant mm. That's awesome, Martin. And as we're coming up on time here, are any closing thoughts for the ones listening? Any closing thoughts? Um, what would you leave them with in terms of uh, digital journeys and, and where to begin if you're not there yet as a company? I would say after listening to uh, after listening to this podcast, uh, and by the way, thank you for listening. Uh, it's... Uh, it's important that you first really understand the problem or the pain point that you're solving. Because rushing into, we want to give digital journeys, is like rushing into saying, we want to give just for a Coca-Cola. You haven't actually understood the problem well enough. And you can then pile hundreds of thousands of euros, or even just tens of thousands of euros if you're a startup, because that's kind of crit critical. It's just a volumed game, depending on where you are in the in the journey, the scale up of your business. So really understand the problem, iterate, prototype at solving the the the, the pain points that your customer is experiencing, that you're discovering. Your customer is either B two C or B two B. We have internal customers and external customers. Your external are your customers, your internal are your colleagues, your peers. Um, but that's maybe a podcast for another day. And then the third part is to try, fail, and then try again, because you won't get it right the first time. Uh, and a scary fact is about 50 to 70% of what is on a product backlog will fail. Uh, and if you don't believe me, that's coming from Marty Keegan, uh, who wrote Inspired. Great. Uh, it was awesome having you on, Martin. Uh, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, I hope you to, to see you soon again. Fantastic. Likewise. Thank you so much.
You've been listening to an episode of a Roaring podcast by Roaring.io. Feel free to share it with your friend, colleague or peer if you liked it. If you wish to stay connected to us, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time. Bye.